Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Soybean Pest Podcast. It's June 27th, 2022. This is our 13th season and our third episode. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, man. So good. My uh, toe is all kinds of shades of purple after taking a direct hit from a toolbox, and my hair is shorter. But other than that, I'm still me. Yeah. All right. Long pause. <laughs> so should we get right into it? Before before we start, Matt, do we want to offer a correction to something that we talked about last week? Ooh, is a correction in order? We have more than one listener? Well, remember, one of our listeners reached out to us after your fit about uh, invasive insects. And we thought maybe they were all from Asia, but... We were incorrect. One of them is not from Asia. The red-shouldered, red-banded stink bug. Oh, those are two different things. We got to look yeah, that up. Yeah, which one did you talk about? Uh, I believe it was red-banded okay. stink bug. Not, not from Asia. The rest, the rest of them, I think, were from Asia. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, thank you to our listeners. Really do listen. Yeah, and and you know what? People really do win. Yeah. By uh, by playing the fit. Which we're going to get to. I got one, got a new one for today. Okay. All right. So, uh, pest roundup. What's going on out there? I missed the lab meeting because I was at an event. So, I didn't hear uh, all the good reports that the students and staff were sharing with us on Friday. What'd you hear? Um, quite a bit more of the same from our last podcast. They were able to find a few more really small soybean aphid colonies, often tended by ants or predators. And as I mentioned last week, this is pretty typical to find isolated colonies on, I think they're like V4 to V6 plants. Um, they just found a few more as they were sampling, but again, they're looking at hundreds and hundreds of plants. So not surprising to find a few winners. I think we've also started to see Japanese beetle come out and um, that. That was right on time, according to our degree day model. So that's a pretty standard. I mean, it was it was nice to see that our model is fitting the wildlife correctly. And um, also just one or two reports about thistle caterpillar in, in Western Iowa. And again, that's about the time I would expect to see thistle caterpillar. Is that um, but, something that, I'll oh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I think it's soybean aphids and, and Japanese beetles is having a, north to south gradient you know the the warmer it gets the more active they're likely to be the more likely we're going to see them um i'm wondering about thistle caterpillars you said that you're noticing them in the west is that a is that a critter that spreads a little bit differently than the other two because it maybe it migrates differently than those well i think it's a long distance migrator so i don't think it overwinters in the midwest so i think it comes from the west um, to the Corn Belt is my understanding. From the West. Oh, interesting. So, so it's yeah. not coming up from the South. Like we can't blame our colleagues in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Georgia for. Well, not for this anyway. Okay. <laughs> we'll find other ways to blame them. <laughs> yeah. How we can blame them is by finding potato leafhoppers in soybean and alfalfa. Ooh, that's uh, that's a new one. That's yeah. a new one. Yeah, and so I think they were finding really, really low numbers, but sort of those first arrivers coming in from the south 
um, as adults, and then also some nymphs on plants, but really low numbers, but it is something to keep in mind because of potato leaf hopper numbers last year. And we had, if you remember, we had some really droughty areas, some severe drought, especially in Northwest Iowa. That drought is persisting in the Northwest part of the state. And so I, I am concerned about potato leaf hopper, especially for alfalfa and during that second and third cutting. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I was uh, at an event on Friday and talked to quite a few people who were from Nebraska and South Dakota, even North Dakota, and a couple of uh, people in that northwest corner of Iowa. And it's it's striking the difference between there uh, and central Iowa. We we have had rain pretty consistently and and good doses of rain, like you know inch plus rain events, which they have not had. Yeah. And this is going on to, what, a second year of this abnormally dry? And I think it's a third year, technically, of drought conditions, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's a little bit of the state, but it's a significant area considering, you know, how much corn and soybeans are produced in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully- yeah, they talked about, like, leaf, uh, cor- corn leaves rolling and, you know, some of those other symptoms of, like, um, plant stress that you see above ground, so... That makes me think of things like grasshoppers, spider mites, and some of the other like drought pests that you see kind of flaring up in those conditions. So worried about spider mites showing up later too. So all the the critters, all the pests that would be exacerbated by drought are still an issue up in that corner of the state in a way that they're not down here. And we're, we've still got some standing water even in fields and a little bit cooler than uh, normal temperatures. We had a beautiful day the other day. I think the high was in the mid-70s. So. It was awesome. Yeah. All right. Any other pests? Um, well, this is a soybean pest podcast, but I think if people are growing soybean, they're probably also growing corn to some degree. And um, we're easily finding corn rootworm larvae um, if people are uh, digging up plants and either doing a float test or just kind of breaking apart soil, you'd notice small to medium-sized larvae in the soil right now. So I think that means I get to mention this uh, observation, old wives' tale that I mentioned every, every year. Not, every, every year, Matt, every year. Yep, go ahead. Uh, because as you are noticing corn rootworm larvae in the field, I'm noticing adult lightning beetles Mm-hmm. gathering. Um, very few numbers, but I'm, I'm starting to see them gather on the other side of leaves, uh, on the side of my house, um, even seeing them in the field a bit. And what's the old wives' tale? That when they start lighting, that's when the rootworms start emerging? Yeah, but exactly as I just described, I'm seeing small to medium larvae. I'm not so the the synchrony is like not exactly there in my mind because if I'm seeing larvae, that's you know they have to pupate. Right. That's that's not lining up. So we well, talk about this every year, Matt. I know, and and, and we'll probably talk about it next year too. Uh, <laughs> but the the point is, I haven't seen them lighting. I've only seen them uh, as adults, you know, kind of out of the soil. Mm. So you missed you, it, Matt. When it was oh. two weekends ago. Um, I was driving along E18, which is a, a road that's just north of Ames, in the evening from, do you know where McCallsburg is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, McCallsburg to Ames, 
And it was like a light show that I have never seen in my entire life. Really? Hundreds and hundreds of these lightning bugs, fireflies in the ditches. And it was like what I imagined, like the 1970s, like light shows, you know, when you like look up and it's like a Pink Floyd show. Like that's what it looked like in the field. I have never seen so many flashes in my whole life. It was beautiful. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I never went to one of those laser light shows. I wasn't allowed to go to those. Even in high school, Matt? Uh, I don't think you were in high school in the 70s. No, no. That was an old joke and you like totally missed it. I I was trying to uh, get reminiscent for something I I never experienced. (laughs) I never either, but. No. Well, maybe the cover bands will come through town. Be a lot of laser pointers. Going back to the lightning uh, beetles. um, Yeah, you're right. I have kind of missed it. Um, Mostly because, you know, I'm an old man. I go to bed before the sun goes down. (laughs) But um, I did check my box for old wives' tales that I tell every year, and now mm-hmm. we move on. So you checked it, yep. Yep. All right. Any other observations? Any other corn pests besides rootworms? Are there any other corn pests besides rootworms? Yeah. Um, you know our field agronomist, Virgil Schmidt. He's in the southeastern. Sorry. Yeah, southeastern part of the state. He covers a very large area. Is that the? And he had a couple of cornfields that were um, decimated by stink bugs. They had an average of one stink bug per plant. Sometimes he said there were multiple nymphs per plant. And they had sort of that typical plant injury at the top that looks sort of like crinkled or shredded a little bit at the top. And then there was also evidence of feeding when the leaves were still in the world because it kind of had that repeating shot hole pattern. And so some there were three fields uh, that were going to be sprayed today because of the amount of stink bugs, which is a first for me. What kind of stink bug? Good question. I don't know. Hmm. That's really interesting. And then shot hole patterns. Interesting. Yeah. I've I've heard of billbug, golden billbug being a, a a pest, especially kind of early in the season like this, that would cause that kind of damage. But usually it's on really small, you know, like just emerging uh corn. I it, I can't imagine that's the case now. I mean it's almost July. I'm assuming this is bigger corn than that. Well, we have corn kind of at all at all growth stages. I don't know how tall or how old the corn stand was, but the way that I would usually distinguish stink bug, like that shot hole compared to something like a grasshopper or something with chewing mouth parts is like a little halo around the that hole, which I think is as they inject their stylet, you know, they release saliva and I think there's a reaction there. So I always look for the yellowish sort of discoloration around that feeding site and you know another confirmation would be finding the nymphs and adults um they didn't tell me what species it was and i think it's hard especially when you see nymphs in the field but um, i trust virgil's judgment when he said he saw stink bugs um was there anything special about this corn i don't know it's a good question uh, i'm assuming it's field corn it wasn't i assume yeah. yeah yeah it wasn't sweet corn um Curious if it was treated with the seed treatment. If, um... Yeah, I'm not sure. In his part of the state, there is quite a bit of non-GMO corn or white corn that they get a special market price for. But I, I don't know the details. If it was like popcorn, white corn, seed corn, I, I don't know. 
Okay. How many times can I say porn in one minute? You're getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that level of damage uh, that would require uh, an insecticide spray. So, yeah. Especially, I mean, stink bugs occasionally are an issue. You know, you might see them around, but in both corn and soybeans, but typically they're never that large of a population that we would need to spray especially this early. that That's yeah. really shocking to me. Um, now, whether it was warranted or not is a totally different question because oh. I don't know um, what one stink bug per plant means right now. Um, we're still, it, the, the pictures that I saw look quite a bit away from pollination, of course. And so they're just feeding on the, on the leaves. And so I would have to lean on someone who works on stink bugs and corn to know like what is actually a justifiable number. And I yeah. don't know if they were just trying to tamp down the population so that they don't cause kernel injury later in the season. All the stink bugologists that I know mostly work in soybeans and some fruit crops. And okay. don't know many people who have studied stink bug in corn. Unless you're studying the brown marmorated stink bug, I guess. Yeah, but even that one is polyphagous enough that, you know, there's other other plants that it's going to attack. Um, but yeah, it's weird to think about, I, not weird. I mean, it's, it's just un, rare to hear of um, these kind of outbreaks. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Hey, you heard it here fo- first on the soybean pest podcast because we have range. <laughs> so I mean, uh, soybean pest podcast, not just for soybeans. All right. Anything else? Uh, not related to our pest roundup, but there's a fun contest going on sponsored by University of Nebraska Lincoln 4-H program. And it's an online identification contest going on right now through July 11th. And I have the link in the chat. Hopefully you can put that in the podcast summary. I, it's 50 questions uh, from pictures mm-hmm. and... They do have, you don't have to be a 4-H'er to take it. You can be an adult and you can be an extension person if you want to, too. They have different categories. So you should play. It's free and fun. You know, I love trivia. I love trivia contests. I know you do. Can I give you a humble brag? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, please. 97%. Oh, that's not a humble brag. That's a straight up fact. So I want you to play, Matt, and Mm -hmm. report back next week. What you got? Oh, ooh. oh! Now the pressure's on. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? We usually flip the script, uh, and I put you on the spot with a question. I know. It's finally, it's finally my turn, Matt. Except it's not my contest, and no prizes given. But yeah, self-respect is a prize <laughs> <laughs> that few of us have. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I would have more if I played less of these trivia contests. Oh, I barely, I barely survived my learned league um, uh, season. I was right at the edge of relegation. I went into the final round, final match, and I tied the person who was at the very bottom of the league, and uh, that was enough to stave off relegation. Not you a good season. I feel like Everton Football Club. 
they uh, are second longest in the premiership. There's a little trivia for you. Uh, I think it's something like 38 years that they've been in the first uh, league of English football. And this season, they were threatening relegation. They could have been sent down, which is a huge thing for a club with that level of you know name recognition and uh, prestige and contracts for existing players that you know you're not going to be able to use TV money if you're not in the first league next year to pay for. So, do you mean soccer, and you're just trying to be cool and saying American football or English football? Okay, um, I want to just say soccer. I've never tried to be cool. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of games and contests, you ready for a fun insect trivia? Heck yes. All right. Um, this is going back to the format we used last week. I'm going to list this time four insects. And you can answer in the chat as I go down these four, but save your your vocal answer for the end so that our listener can uh, play along. So I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to give you four insects and they all share something in common. See if you can come up with what they have in common. And this week, it's a challenge, not just for you, but for me, because I'm only going to give you the Latin names of the insects. And, uh I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pronounce these correctly. So uh, to our listener, yeah, I already know I'm going to goof this one up, all right? You don't need to call in and let me know how badly I said the Latin names, but I'll do my best, all right? All right, you ready? That's, that's the sound of silence that says that Aaron is ready. <laughs> all right, first one. Aphis nerii. Ready for your second one? And quite possibly my worst pronunciation job of these four. Tetraopis, tetraphthalamus. Tetraopis, tetraphthalamus. Actually, I think that's tetraopis, tetraphthalmus. I'm adding an A, thalamus. All right, that was number two. You ready for the third one? Oh, sure. Have you seen my guess? I did see your guess. Oh, you were right on. All right. I got it after the first one, Matt. Uh, oh, you did? Oh, yeah. well, all right. Um, all right. For our listener, uh, I'll go down the last two. Oncopeltus fasciitis. Oncopeltus fasciitis. And our fourth one, and uh, hopefully this one sends everybody over the top, Danus plexippus. Boy, I, I think I butchered that one, too. Are they all, all right. like, skin diseases? That's a good one. like dermatitis. Okay, so I'm going to read the, the common names uh, now for those four. Uh, the first one, uh, aphis nerii, sometimes called the oleander aphid or milkweed aphid. The second one, Tetraopis tetraphthalmus, is sometimes called the red milkweed beetle. And here's a fun fact. Its Latin name uh, denotes a curious morphological feature in the adult. It has bisected eyes. 
the antenna are sprout up right in the middle of the eye. And so each eye is kind of bisected into four. So Latin for four eyes. Oncopeltus fasciitis, large milkweed bug. And then the last one, of course, milk, uh, monarch butterfly. So Aaron got it. Yeah, these are all, all these four insects uh, feed on milkweed. Some have a little bit broader host range than others, but they can be found on milkweed pretty much throughout the Midwest, uh, if not, you know, most of the United States. Although I don't know if Oncopeltis shows up on the West Coast. No. How was that? You got it right. Well done. You and your 97%. You're crushing it this week. You're having a good week. Well, we were just talking about these pests like three hours ago. So you kind of you kind of gave that one to me a little bit, Matt. Prime the pump a little bit. Yeah. 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 I don't know if we'd call them pests, would we? These are... No, they're not pests. No, not pests. Uh, these are more just the native uh, endemic insects that are out in the environment. Some are more capable than others of finding milkweed and surviving on them. I think every milkweed plant I saw over the weekend had a red milkweed beetle on it. And now I have to look for that bisected eyes. I had never noticed that before. That was kind of cool. Researching the question, I, I learned about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, to wrap up, uh, anything you need to plug or want to plug this week? Uh, we have quite a few events happening in the next couple of weeks, and I'll be tweeting about those. You can find me at Aaron W. Hodson on Twitter. We also have a press alert network that's out there that gives a heads up on some news, events, insects that we're finding in field crops for Iowa. And that is free, right, to join? The pest alert and Twitter are free. Oh. Yeah. So that's how you stay in touch with me. You can find me uh, pretty much sticking around home this next week. I was at an event uh, over the weekend. We did the Pollinator Fest at Ryman Gardens. Had over 500 attendees, 17 Boy Scouts got their badge for, I think it was for biology not quite sure what the badge was for uh junior well um there was there were groups of boys and girls and um, my understanding was the girls were uh working towards a different badge for gardening and uh, the boys uh were working towards a bee focused badge but anyway they were both able to complete that badge by participating in the Ryman Gardens Thanks to the Ryman Garden staff and staff and Nathan Brockman for hosting that event. Had over 12 booths with various participants from ISU and beyond uh, presenting various aspects of pollinator biology, ecology, and beekeeping. Did some uh, honey tasting. Uh, it was no contest. About three to one. People like the prairie strip honey over our classic honey which was uh, nice to see that the efforts of Randall Cass and Amy Toth are paying off. People like that new product that they're developing. That honey is still available at the ISU bookstore. Other than that, what's on the shelves is it. The inventory is pretty much gone. They've uh, gotten rid of, uh, they've sold most of everything that was bottled from last year. And so uh, you're going to have to wait until next year if you can't get into the bookstore to get a bottle. Well, not next year. Wait till the harvest this year. 
and to try some of the prairie strip hunting. So that's it. That's all I got. You got any more? I'm up to date. All right, we're done. See you next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Sarah.